Welcome to episode 306, where Benedict is anticipating a new computer and Buzz is anticipating remote conferences. And Star Wars is anticipating Buzz and chocolate chip babka. Do you remember that I ordered a computer a couple of a uh, couple of weeks ago? Yeah, I think uh, you even said that it's not there yet. Yeah, and it's still not there yet. So I ordered uh -oh. it. Yeah, I ordered it at the end of February. Um and the no, end of March, sorry, end of March, and it was it went out on the 14th of March. And since then, it's been in some sort of packet package store uh, with the message that um, due to Corona, they are a bit overloaded and some packages take a bit longer. And I'm afraid I, I shouldn't, I could call them, but I think if I called them, they would just tell me, well, yeah, it's, some packages take longer, but I mean, it's already been two weeks. Um, and right. it's not like I need it, thankfully. Like I, I'm lo looking forward to playing with it. Um, but I do have everything I need. It's just, you know, I, I, I paid money for it and uh, it's somewhere and I, I would like to have it. And I have so many things I want to play around with, especially installing macOS on that and then trying out how it is. And I, I, yeah, there's, I can't really do that, which is sad, but I hope it will arrive at some point. Yeah, and you had a stack of games you were talking about, right? right. That, you, that are waiting for the computer. <laughs> right, so... Um, the I'm currently playing Witcher 3 on the Switch, but I also bought it for the PC already um, be, because the graphics for the PC version are much better. And um, I have a 4K monitor here uh, and the Switch doesn't do 4K, right? And um, uh, 5K, and uh, but the PC does. And so I could enjoy, um, because you're walking through this medieval landscape and it's already very beautiful on the Switch. And if I see screenshots from the PC, it's fantastic. So I bought that. And I also bought Doom Eternal because I was mm -hmm. a huge fan of Doom when it came out. <laughs> yeah, and so you you are indeed old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm already partially going bald, Buzz. What do you think? Mm. Only the right so side. So I've heard. So I've heard. Um, but that's not the only computer that's waiting for you, right? I'm not sure I follow. Um, I thought you uh, had the request to get a new MacBook for, uh, for work. Uh, pain, salt into my wounds. <laughs> <sighs> my, my current MacBook is so slow. Um, it's the early 2000, like the new version from 2016. Um, but I remember we had a co-worker. He was a freelancer and he had a 2015 MacBook with slightly different specs. And we did a couple of compiles um, to to see which machine was faster, and his was actually quite a bit faster from uh, than mine. Like the 2015 was faster than my 2016, right. and now everything takes forever on this machine. It's unbearable. And um, I, I, the new one is ordered, um, but since it's Corona and we are not in the office, I can't really reach it, and so I'm stuck with this really really slow computer I there's one upside and that is I'm not doing that much development right now because I've, I've switched positions a bit so there's less coding because otherwise I think I would go mad a um, smart move yes <laughs> instead, <laughs> instead of getting a new computer just take a different position 
this this week I worked on on we had a blocking blocking bug um, and I worked on that with a coworker and to in order to do that I had to compile the app again and I was like oh no oh it's and his was already I think he compiled t twice while I wasn't even done compiling once oh man yeah I mean it's it's also partially the project and sure um, it's also been interesting how. Unluckily, often Apple lately has basically broken our builds without like anything in the, in the release notes indicating that anything regressed or changed. Mm. Uh, yeah. But at least they're also looking at our radar, so that that's good. And in this case, what's really interesting is even if um, usually sometimes if something like that happens, you might have relied on undocumented behavior where the API does something by accident and, and you are using it that way, uh, but that's never, uh, that has never been intended. But in this, this time, the rele release and the debug version, so with and without optimizations differ. Like the behavior changed, uh, but it changed for two different, so differently. So obviously something is wrong there. Um, uh, but that didn't help us because we needed to release the app. We couldn't have waited for for Apple to step in and have another release. So yeah, it's interesting where they are also breaking things in like a bug, like a minor, like a dot release, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like there's not even betas, mm -hmm. uh, which is which is tricky. Yeah. Um, also interesting because yesterday, uh, someone in the hacking with Swift uh, Slack asked something about it deferred intense localized string or whatever that is something with with siri and they couldn't get it to work and there's basically there, there's no documentation at all <laughs> um so in the end we did figure out how to make it work although it still doesn't really make sense because in the end we were just passing an ns localized string into this mm -hmm. intense deferred localized string which to be honest, I still don't really get why it's necessary. Apparently, your serial language can be different from your system language, and that's why you can't necessarily rely on system language mm -hmm. with localized strings. But this deferred localized string just would never turn up in your .strings file. So, yeah. I mean, it's also tricky for Apple, right? There, there's so much complexity in all the things they have on offer. They're... Oh, it's it's crazy, yeah, it's right? Crazy. Like, it's... It's, I don't want to blame anyone, right? Like there's so many bugs to fix. Like also for us, there's there's a bunch of things in the backlog and a bunch of things that we know of that aren't even in the backlog. And hmm. uh, how often has it been, at least for me, it's like, oh yeah, I have an hour left or like I have like half an hour before this meeting. I don't know if I want to start this bigger thing. Hmm. Let's tackle this one, one small problem. And then three days later, you're like, uh what happened yeah yeah and, and then in addition to that um, you might have a situation where you had, a t you had one engineer who worked on a certain feature so famously i think TextEdit, the mac app was mostly written by one guy um and he supported it for a long time and so let's say this engineer leaves and so somebody else is inheriting that code base um to, to work on that but he didn't write it and has only a, a cursory understanding of it obviously because it's it's maybe has a high complexity um, and that makes it even even more difficult because then because then it's easier to break things a lot of institutional knowledge is being lost that way when when people switch yeah. that's uh, a, that's an interesting <clears throat> that's an interesting point as well that i recently ran into uh, so earlier this week actually 
on, on Monday morning at like seven o'clock, um, we, we had a customer review and what they said is like, I like the app, but there's this one crash if you try to change the icon or the image uh, on your profile. And I didn't think much of it, but another colleague helpfully said, hey, isn't this, couldn't this be this iPad bug where UI alert controller is crashing? And UI alert controller is my arch nemesis. So I was like, that sounds like a thing. I will look into it. Um, turns out it was indeed the case. And uh, we were finally able to track down where these crashes came from because we, we knew they were there. But it's like the crash report just says, well, yeah, somewhere you're trying to present an alert controller. And obviously in our code base, there's quite a few and mm. quite a few different implementations. Um, so I fixed the bug. Uh, basically, we weren't passing a view, right? So that it could pin it to a view from where you're uh, presenting this. But there's like another like five or six usages of this API, but I can't really fix them because I don't know, like, you know, where are these being presented from? Because at the moment they don't have this view attached. So mm -hmm. I don't know where they're being attached from. If I were to solve them, I would have to dig deep into that code, figure out like, okay, what does the UI look like? What should it look like? And like something trivial becomes harder. Mm -hmm. But that's also the fun of it. Mm -hmm. In this case, I just asked like the, the colleagues like, hey, um, I fixed this bug. Could you please look into these five remaining ones? Um, but yeah, if only it were all so simple, mm, then we would, nobody would need us <laughs> if, if yeah. the apps would write themselves, Siri create new app. <laughs> yeah. And then because of the non-localized or non-documented deferred intent string, you will get like a Russian answer. <laughs> yes. The app, the app does <laughs> the opposite of what you expect it to. <laughs> Vladimir says hi. Um, do we want to go into our topics? Uh, I'm sure. Um, so I remember you were working and helping out on the Swift Avera conference. Um, yes. That was supposed to um, be held in Portugal this year. And I also remember seeing that this will probably not happen. Do you quickly want to talk about this? Sure. So it's not just probably, um, we, we have canceled Swift Avero 2020, um, a few weeks ago now, I think. And, you know, it's a shame. Um, that being said, in the end, it was the obvious decision, right? There wasn't really another option. Um, and although on the one hand that that's not cool, um, I think it was the right thing to do and, and everybody agreed with that. Um, so unfortunately no, no Swift of error this year. Uh, and we've also further decided not to invest into a, uh, like an online format, um, because especially with workshops, that's tricky. And there was just a lot of energy already put into this. Luckily, luckily financially we're, we're more than okay. Um, but a lot of energy was already put into this and just having this kind of setback made it difficult to say, okay, let's put another like jolt of energy into this and completely rethink what we're doing and get everyone back on board. And like, it was like, yeah, let's, 
let's just keep it saying we want Swift of Arrow to be Swift of Arrow, right? Um, so hopefully we'll we'll be able to be back at some later point. Hmm. Hopefully next year, but you know. Yeah, nobody knows what the future looks like right now. But yeah, hopefully yep. next year. Um, I have very deep respect for conferences that uh, try to switch to a online format because this is we talked about it in a previous episode. It's unexplored territory, and you have to make up reality as you go on. Uh, you have to make facts, and and you have nothing to rely to in terms of decisions. And it's all very dangerous, right? Because you don't know for every decision that you do, you don't know how it will work out. Yeah, it's it's interesting because obviously you're right. Um, but last year when, when I was at, uh, the Swiss Alps, the Swift Alps, uh, well, the Swift Alps in you the were, Swiss Alps. Yes, both were right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I was there and at that point I was already co-organizing Swift of Arrow, right? Uh, and Niels and Sydney were there from, uh, Swift Island, which also has unfortunately been, been canceled this year. Um, and we, we had a, we had a, an organizer dinner, right? So there were a mm. bunch of people there, like the people from, uh, the Swift Alps, of course, um, Sydney, Niels, um, there were two people, um, Paris and Mars, uh, from Australia that mm. are holding a conference there, uh, and me. And we basically just had a brainstorm dinner of like, Hey, how can we improve conferences and what are your thoughts and what went wrong? What went right this time? Uh, and we set up a Slack. So we basically have a Swift organizer Slack. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've already seen a bunch of people share, um, their learnings about switching to an online format, right? So for, mm-hmm. uh, for app builders, those are the same organizers as, uh, as the Swift Alps. Uh, so they've shared a bunch of, of their thoughts. And I think that's a great, great way to be able to do that. That sounds really cool. Um, in a, in a very similar way, um, there usually are a couple of Tri-Swift conferences this year um, in New York, in Tokyo, and they are all also all being canceled or they were canceled due to the coronavirus. I'm so sad. Me too. I had a ticket for the Tokyo one. I'm still sad about it. I I had all my hotels booked. I had to booked really nice hotels in different districts of the city and I had <laughs> planned it up so well looking forward to meet the people there and um, I'm also I've completely run out of Kit Kats um, <laughs> it was my plan I ran out in January February and my plan was to go then back in March and buy another stack and <laughs> no I can't um, so <laughs> lots of problems but yeah I mean it's obviously the right decision and yeah. um, for TriSwift, uh, Natasha just wrote a really good blog post where she announced TriSwift World, um, which is a new format that is online only, uh, once a, which is also a workshop conference. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, I think she, like, TriSwift just has a special place in my heart. Um, it's actually the very first, like, TriSwift New York 2016 was the first conference I ever visited. And it's blown me away ever since. Um, so I was super, super, super stoked when, when Natasha reached out uh, about this TriSwift world and wanting to continue what we have and not stop at this and say, hey, we, we will not 
converted to an online format mm. um, especially after tokyo i think this is super cool to see because i think that was the the first swift conference that was that was canceled mm. um and at that time right like when was that like in in february march. Like, so and yeah february said, march right? yeah they sent sent around the first email that they might cancel in end of february back when the world was still spinning in its normal pace but japan had um, a very high amount of uh, in this initial time they had a high amount of uh, cases where the yeah. rest of the world had almost zero that japan was hit very early and so they had to decide early on i, I think um, like most of the world went into lockdown mid-March, right? And so uh, that was when TriSwift would already have, ha have had happened. Um, hadn't it been for these early cases, I think we might have seen that conference and right, right before the lockdown, basically. Um, yeah, but I still remember like at that time, I was like, wait, is this really necessary? You know, because I just, we, or, or we just didn't feel that it was, you know, that huge uh gonna have that that big of an impact i remember having talks with you where you said you know i haven't really booked everything yet because of the situation and if i go i will take a lot of precautions and i was like wait is that necessary and like in hindsight it very definitely was necessary yeah so for me the 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 factor that i already decided in january that this is a problem because so and this is not a discretion on China or anything, but um, usually when you're in China, there is um, the factories are running all the time and the smog is really bad and people have, have problems and it's, it's, it's tricky there, but the, the factories roll on. So if the Chinese government decides to um, shut down a whole city, which, which they usually never do. They they never did it. The smoke can be really bad. People can die from the smoke so bad. They don't care about that. But if they decide to shut down all the city, then this is a serious, serious problem. And after observing how hard China reacted and the, then seeing the first cases in Europe, I was like, oh boy, we are in for a ride. And right. yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you weren't wrong. <laughs> So with TriSwift World, um, Natasha is setting up something great again together with Chris, uh, who's been the, the magician uh, at all TriSwifts, which it just, that makes part of the conference. He belongs to the conference. Like it's tricky at this point to not have Chris. It really transforms the experience of in between the talks and, and more. Um, and then Alvin, uh, Alvin Varghese is also helping out. Uh, and I think he's been helping out with a, with a bunch of, uh, previous TriSwift, uh, editions as well. So it's great to see them pair up, uh, translate this to an online format where the idea is to have workshops, um, with a maximum of 10 people, uh, and just do them online and have have a lot of slack involved to you know be able to communicate between attendees and speakers or instructors and uh it's it's really nice mm -hmm. and i've heard that you might be giving a workshop there bina yeah could be i also heard that you're giving a workshop bus that would be correct <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm uh i'm still uh, i have three workshop topics that i and i want to pick one or two um and i'm still thinking about which one and i will probably decide today um which one i want to, i want to take as the workshop topic i had the same problem where i basically had two like clear contenders and it was like okay i'll just start with the one and then maybe i'll do the other but it's like at this point in time i'm also like 
why am I doing so many things? <laughs> so I'll probably just keep it with the, with the one for now. But yeah. So I will be giving a, a workshop on or, or an introduction to unit testing logic in Swift, which mm -hmm. I'm very passionate about. Mm -hmm. um, so for the workshop on unit testing, I made the very conscious decision to keep it at an introductory level because I, I haven't necessarily made a workshop to be introductory. And I wanted to help those kind of people that are looking for a refresher or, or starting out, uh, or maybe experienced and, and just looking, you know, looking at, at, at how I take this, uh, this topic on. Um, but I thought it would be an interesting, like refreshing way to look at building a workshop. Uh, and I'm super excited to see how they, how they will go. It sounds really interesting. And it also sounds like you say, like quite some work to prepare the workshop and to um, find something that works really well for a online format. Um, because usually in a workshop, you can walk around and look at the people's screens, make sure, you know, are they stuck somewhere, have a look and talk, but this is much more difficult when you do an online workshop. So the format also has to change a bit in to make it as easily um, workshopable, showable, presentable as possible. In, in this definitely moment. definitely i mean that uh, that's actually that the first time natasha reached out i felt a bit bad because i was one of the the people uh, at swift of Aero that said hey i don't feel like we can do a, an online format like with because of workshops mm -hmm. uh, so we actually considered doing talks instead of workshops mm -hmm. um But now we are doing online workshops, right? So I felt like, yeah, I feel like I'm kind of betraying us, like myself and, and the other organizers. Um, but I think the way Natasha and, and the team uh, like look at this and really want to keep it focused and really, I think, mention that, you know, it will be experimental. We're looking for feedback. We want to improve this thing. We want to learn. Um, and I think that's that's the way to, to do it. Mm. Um, But yeah, I will, I will take a lot of inspiration from, uh, Daniel Steinberg and, uh, Leah Marold Sonnenshine. Like they both gave a workshop, uh, Daniel at last year's Swift of Aero, uh, Leah at, at the Swift Alps, where you basically had this written guide running you through the workshop. Like mm. the workshop would be given by, by Daniel or by Leah, um, but you would really be able to you know, jump ahead or like go back mm -hmm. a bit. And when, once you were done with the workshop, you could take this bundle home mm -hmm. and just basically like have all the uh, material with you. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm, what I'm planning to do here as well. Mm -hmm. I did uh, something very similar for a catalyst workshop I gave last year at Swift Island, where the attendees also had an app that had all the different tasks and they could pick a task as they wanted based on what they were interested in because with Catalyst there are a lot of things you have to do and maybe for your own app you're interested especially in the toolbar so you would just pick the toolbar tasks and um, for all the tasks there was a git diff where you could basically see the difference that an example project the difference um, for the commit where I implemented this feature. So you could basically, in this app, you had the task with a description and documentation, and you had to git div to see in the end, um, okay, how did, was it actually implemented? And that was, um, that was very helpful. And oh man, now, now I almost feel bad because I attended that workshop, 
But I sat together with Antoine van der Lee and we just transferred the WeTransfer app to yeah, build you, with Catalyst. You, yeah, you didn't really participate. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I think I think that uh, makes up for this grave mistake that you made this morning. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, talking about online conferences, um, there was a accessibility pre-dubbed up that happened, right. I think, last week. And you um, attended. Do you want to give us a brief, a brief explanation of what this is and what it was like? Right. So um, just to just to answer your pre-dubbed up um, question or, or thought or saying, people have been saying this, right? It's like, hey, this is the, the, the dry run of WWDC. Um, I'm not convinced. I don't know if that was the case. I mean, sure, it helps, um, but I'm not sure if that was, was the idea. Um, but basically what, what happened is I think two weeks ago or so, uh, Apple sent out a bunch of emails to invite us to um, an accessibility online workshop. Um, and that was interesting, right? Because it was like, we've never really seen this before. Or I have never really seen this before. Um, and it was pretty quickly after they, they sent the invitation. So it was like a week after that. Um, and it was hosted by, by Apple, but it was hosted by this um, app accelerator division, I think at Apple. Um, so I'm not necessarily sure if that's the same thing as, as WWDC. Um, but so what happened was uh, Friday morning. No, I'm not sure if it was Friday. I think it was a weekday. Anyway, um, it was in the European time zone, which was nice for us, right? And they had a had a WebEx um, workshop slash conference slash whatever you want to call it. And although there were some some uh, WebEx issues, where I think WebEx was just down, like all of it. Um, so they started an hour late, um, but it, it was great. Um, they covered a lot, a lot, a lot of ground on accessibility on iOS. So I think it was a fantastic resource for people interested in accessibility, but not necessarily uh, having done much with it. And what was especially interesting is that next to the, the talk being given uh, and the presentation being given, by this one person at Apple, there were a bunch of other people, I think up to like 10 or, or, or 15 uh, people, also instructors at Apple that were able to answer questions in chat. So while this presentation was going, you could ask questions which would be hidden by default, but then if someone at Apple would answer them, they would be visible for everyone. So that really added to the experience, I think. Um, and except from like a few hiccups of, of WebEx, I think it, it turned out pretty, pretty great. That sounds really interesting. Um, does it make it tricky to follow a complex technical explanation when you also have to formulate a good question in your mind and read the questions that are maybe already posted? I, it, it sounds great, but I wonder how much it takes away from listening to the talk if you are trying to formulate questions as the talk progresses. Right. I mean, it's a good question. Um, it's, it's hard for me to answer because, you know, some parts 
I'm rather familiar with in terms of accessibility. So for me, it was a bit easier to quote unquote jump out for a few seconds. Mm. Um, but you could also just hide this whole uh, panel and just after the, after the talk was over, you could just go through all the questions, right? So I think it's also up to the person that's watching to see like, okay, how much time do I want to spend away from the presentation? Yeah. Um, and there was also like, there was time for questions afterwards still. Uh, there was even the possibility to schedule a one-on-one, -on -one, which I did as well. So I think there were a lot of options. Okay. I think maybe, I mean, it would be interesting if during the talk, there are like, after every, I don't know, slide, for example, there's a brief delay of five seconds so that people could formulate a question, something like that. But obviously, uh, this is, um, as you said, it might, it might not be a precursor to dub dub um but nevertheless it's it's great that apple does some tests here because even if it's not a precursor i'm quite sure that this probably plays into whatever they're doing for dub dub um because um they they, they will certainly take in these learnings and, and base it up on them i, w I would hope so right i would i would expect them to uh, and even if it weren't like if WWDC would be different, I would love to see more of this because it was great. Mm. And I think a lot of people can learn from it and a lot of people are looking for this, especially because it is Apple, right? Because it is Apple themselves. Uh, it, it, it's a win-win. It's an obvious win-win for, for Apple as well as, as all the attendees. Mm. I'm very much looking forward to... Um Dub Dub and to the online format of Dub Dub and also to um, Triswift World. So to all these conferences that are happening now, because one of the huge upsides is that it's much easier to meet people from around the world because many people that previously weren't able to attend a conference in Tokyo, for example, due to the flight and the costs and maybe having a family at home and maybe um, being restricted due to whatever reason, they, they can at least now um, attend these online formats and um, maybe there's, there are ways to meet them online there and meet new people. So uh, in a way, I'm also excited about this to see um, where this goes. I'm super excited about it because I I've also changed my my thoughts here where you know a few months ago I was like oh if, if all goes well next year we'll have in-person conferences again um, honestly at this point like you know we're recording this end of April and I feel that this could take years or even like it will be changed forever in a good way right but like that's yeah super interesting to think about yeah, I I read a pretty gloomy article yesterday, so I'm not going to go into that. Um, but um, yeah, we don't know what the future will look like with this thing. So um, maybe um, we switch to a happy topic now, and that is um, Apple released this new Magic Keyboard with um, with a touchpad, which is something that I've wanted for years, and including like especially so the support on the operating system level and uh, this makes iOS so much more bearable for me so much more bearable I uh, I don't have the magic keyboard yet um, but I connected my touchpad that uh, my magic touchpad that I have here and uh, that worked fantastic and I'm very very happy with what Apple did there um, now the only thing missing really is a terminal and Xcode and <laughs> I would be sad <laughs> 
Oh, but that, that that's another of the just if you have this half an hour between meetings being in, maybe you can fix that. Yeah, yeah, sure. I can uh, <laughs> <laughs> easy, easy, easy peasy. I mean, there are a couple of terminal labs that can that, that you can use, and there is one that I'm using, uh, and it is pretty good. It's just that um, because iOS restricts um, the how you can. Um, access it so you can't really run a terminal that accesses your iOS disk and so on so you have to yeah. kind of emulate it or you have to run a virtual machine but virtualization is also not really possible due to a limitation in the API it's it's tricky so they're, yeah. they're all very slow um, but now yeah. most are slow there's also a couple of fast ones um, I don't want to go into that direction I just want to say I'm very happy about this I'm looking forward to see what Apple does with it this year because uh, I could imagine that at DubDub there's even more being added to this um, maybe the Xcode that we've been waiting for for um, iOS who knows well it's interesting I I don't know I still have this you know, weird feeling with iPad where I don't see myself buying one ever again, just because mm-hmm. I don't end up using it. I love them. I, it's, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, same with this keyboard. I think it's fantastic. Um, it's also very expensive. Maybe now that you didn't have to fly to Tokyo, <laughs> <laughs> you can buy the keyboard. Um, but no, this, like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to trying this out. Um, not buying it myself, but trying it out. And I see this as a very, very good step for, for iPad. And, uh, I would also not be surprised if we, if we will see, if not this year, um, but like we will soon see APIs and changes to iPad OS and iPad OS maybe diverging even further from, from iOS. Mm. Um, also yeah. to cater all of this, this new, uh, the new capabilities with a trackpad, with the iPad becoming more of a computer as we know it. Mm. I've been working on this app for a long time, right? And uh, that is an iPad app, and it's a productivity iPad app. And I added cursor support, and it makes the whole experience like ten times better um, to to use the app with with a cursor. It's it's really fantastic. So I'm I'm, I'm very much looking forward to finally be be able to talk more about this and show more about this um i i just did a a pre-beta to my girlfriend (laughs) she i i recorded her using the app basically for the first time and there were a couple of missteps where things i i implemented were not correct like my the things i how i thought people would expect it didn't really fit and so i'm I'm reworking that um but i'm I'm i feel i'm very close to uh to talking about this um but the the cursor support, the iPadOS 13.4, made it so much better. I'm I'm very happy with that. Yeah, I haven't fri- I tried it out, of course, um, but I remember that you invited me for the for the iPad beta, and I was like, I would love to use this, but I I need I need the macOS mm-hmm. uh, Catalyst app as well because yeah. So while I haven't tried it out. Um, to use it, to use the app with with uh, cursor support, I obviously no pain, eh? and I've I've tried out the app, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, and I totally believe that this can enhance the experience uh, of the app. Um, I also saw that you did a uh, you made a poll on Twitter for the for the icon. Yes, yes, I've I've been struggling with the icon. Let's say. Um, 
I I think I have like 140 different icons now in my sketch file, uh, and I'm I'm still messing and fiddling around with them. I'm not not really 100% happy yet, and so I decided I'll make a couple of polls for the the ones that I like the most, and then expand from there. Um, I want to have a nice icon, and I don't I want to have one that is visually pleasing, not too complex. Um, and also fits well with the theme of the app, and it's it, it's been tricky so far. Um, but I feel like I'm honing in on the icon. I, I usually I work on the icon from time to time every day, a bit like ten minutes, twenty minutes a day. I just play around a bit, and then I continue with the coding stuff. I'm I'm very sorry, Bina, but I've just decided that the next time I'm working on an app, I will ask you for 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 an app icon i think i've worked on you know 10 maybe 20 like app ideas and i think only one of them made it to the app store and that was also the only one that ever had an app icon <laughs> i like building them i, I like to, i'm not sure if i'm good at that but i like doing it and that's part of the fun right yeah, I mean, I just, it's its overwhelming for me. It's like, I don't know. I don't have any software. I don't know how to start. Mm. Anyone else can do this a lot better than I can. It's like, I end up with the nice iOS default spider web. <laughs> well, as you already uh, quipped, I'm old. I'm partially bald. So uh, I, I had a lot of time to do these things in the past. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So when we were talking about um, try Swift World, right? There, uh, another good friend of mine, uh, Jeroen, he's giving a workshop on Monday, Monday after this, this recording, uh, which is May 4th. And there is this Star Wars thing with May the 4th, right? Mm, May the 4th be with you. Exactly. So Paul Hudson, who I really like, challenges people from time to time on on various things told him you'd better make sure that your workshop is star wars themed <laughs> or else <laughs> and i was like i have like the perfect opportunity for people to you know basically feast on 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 my misfortune or it's not misfortune but i basically replied to it it's like i said hey I'm so lucky that mine is the day after on May 5th because I've never ever seen Star Wars. What? Exactly. See, like that's what I wanted. <laughs> so then uh, I'm obviously still, I have I'm still flabbergasted here, but continue. <laughs> I will not comment. I will just, yeah. Obviously I had a bunch of replies like this. Um, and it's basically one, one of them that was exactly what you said. Uh, so, so Lance Parker he replied with like, you know, this emoji saying like, what? Uh, and I replied, tell me what you like, say what you want to say, right? Because that's not all of it. That's mm. not what you think. Um, so he said like, it's like not having ever tried chocolate, chocolate chip ice cream, um, which, you know, I have. Um, and then... I met I met Lance uh, at WWDC in 2018. Um, back then he was he was working at Apple, um, and, and he's he's an awesome dude. So basically, what he ended up saying was like, okay, but for next WWDC when we're both there, we will do a Star Wars marathon 
with chocolate chip ice cream. <laughs> and the cherry on top was that then Yeroon chimed, chimed in and he said, oh, I've actually also never watched Star Wars, so I would love to join that party. And then Lance replied with a Star Wars gif, basically saying, oh God, now there's two of them. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> so now there's the anti-Star Wars nerd Star Wars party at DubDub um, to bring you all up to speed. Tell me, Buzz, I think we are already, we're kind of long in this, uh, in this podcast, but I have to ask, um, how did that happen? I mean, it's, it's very much part of popular culture, right? It's, it's tricky to not get by accident even sucked into Star Wars. It's, it's not like it's some, some sort of fringe topic that uh, nobody ever heard about. It's, um, the, the Disney uh, marketing machinery has everything Star Wars. So how did, how did this happen? I'm not sure if it's smart to continue this conversation because there are a few more favorite popular franchises that I have never seen. Because um, I'm, I'm not a movie person. Um, there's a bunch of movies that I absolutely love and probably have watched more than 10 times. Um, mm -hmm. Inception being one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know at least one person is not happy with that. Mm -hmm. um, but I I don't have the attention span. I, I remember, and it's not that bad nowadays. But like I remember, you know, when I was when I was a bunch, bunch younger, you know, we would watch a movie uh, with the family, and I would just fall asleep. I would just fall mm -hmm. asleep. So like it didn't really make sense for me to watch a movie because I could never follow it anyway. Mm, okay. Um, and Star Wars never really crossed. Like it never really got to me. It was never interesting enough to to watch okay fair point so i think it's just a boring explanation but you know <laughs> that's the explanation okay that's I, the explanation you're gonna get okay okay i was thinking in terms i had a friend who uh what did uh had this opposition to alcohol and um he uh, he had this um conscious choice never to do it and i felt maybe you're something similar for star wars where you decided early okay i will be the one who never watches it um, I mean, I, I don't know which friend you're talking about. Uh, not, but not, not about the one I'm talking to right now. Different one. Right. Because like, I I mean, uh, that also applies to me, right? Like mm -hmm. I don't drink alcohol. Reason for it. I never got into it. Mm -hmm. And like at this point, it's like, I don't really care. Yeah. So which yeah, is, I guess, exactly the same as, as Star Wars. Yeah, kind of. So for you, I knew that it was the never, never got into it. For him, it was he was opposed to it. It was like his personal fight. So right. uh, I thought maybe it's something like that. No, 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 definitely not. Okay. Well, that wraps up an, an episode with uh, an interesting ending. I will yeah. now use Star Wars gifts whenever we have a conversation for anything. So <laughs> that is, you never have an idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. I like that. Um, thank you, Buzz. And I would say I hear you soon. Yeah, I think we have a meeting now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See you there. See you there. Bye. I always forget this name. Um, Audacity? Quick time. Quick time. <laughs> it's such a weird name. It's like yeah. audio. It's like, no, it's not audio. It's like... Yeah. It used to be this crazy powerful API that they had for QuickTime and then they threw it all away and now it's this <laughs> lightweight thing. And it used to be the, the old QuickTime app had so much power. It was like a full-blown audio editor and they mm. threw it all away. And mm. now we have this thing that does not much.
Yeah, I don't know, like, I'm... I like it, actually, for what it does. Mm -hmm. I, so, imagine you have a video and you want to cut out something in the middle of the video. Mm -hmm. And the old one allowed that to, really easy. You could just, you, had, you would have two cursors and you could move them to positions and then do a cut. Yeah, like, you can't do that. So, this one, until last week, I thought it can't do it, but it can. It Okay. This QuickTime allows you to do that. It's just so weird and cumbersome that I had never realized it's possible. But you can. You can cut out stuff in the middle of a video. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Because I can, like, I've cut using QuickTime before, but then you can just, like, move the beginning range and the end range. So, yes, right. you could technically cut it in the middle. No, but that's not how you do it. The way you do it is there's a um, there's a split command, and then you. But basically, what you do is you go to the position where the clip that you want to remove where it begins, you split there. Then you go to the position where it ends, you split there, and then you are in a view where you can see all the parts, the segments, and then you can delete the one in the middle. Okay. It's uh, it's a kind of so, hidden so, functionality. I, I love that it's there, but yeah. yeah. So can you can you split up an audio file in like 10 right like so you have one i don't know you have an audio file one two three four five six seven eight nine ten can yes. you split it up between all of those letter or, or all of those yeah. numbers yeah. and then remove eight yeah you can do that oh i should have known <laughs> that because what i've done i have a lot of uh, i listen to a lot of nils from you know that right mm -hmm. and there's a bunch of nils from recordings that are basically like only on youtube so I've downloaded a bunch of those because I want to listen to them, but I don't want to always use YouTube. Um, mm. So what I did is I did split it, but what I did, and let me see if I can get this correct. I basically like, I moved the cursor from the start to like the actual start, right? Because there's this intro, mm. blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then I, I cut it off. And then I moved the end, like then I, I saved the duplicate. Then I moved the end to like the end of the first song. And then I would save just the first song. That would be the first song. I would save it. Mm -hmm. Then I would open this duplicate again. I would move it to the end of the first song and move the end to the end of the second song. It's like so, all of these like permutations. And then you have like yeah. slight overlaps everywhere because like nothing is like on so, the exact second. If you want to do something like that, I would really advise to use FFmpeg, um, which where you can basically just say, no, honestly, it's, I mean, uh, the, the terminal sometimes is simply there. You just say, this uh, is the in, the input from second 56 to second 81. Save that as file when one dot wave from second yeah. 81. And like, it's, it's, it's a children's play thing. You just write down. It's really simple. You just have the, you just need the time signatures. So the seconds where sure. you want to split. Um, yeah, that's what I would use. Um, I think the problem, the problem is more that I just didn't know about it. Right, so it's like mm -hmm. I'll just use QuickTime, and it's also like a little late because I think I've already listened to that, like that audio for like hours and hours and hours and hours. So it's like I'm used, like I'm busy expecting these slight like, <laughs> yeah, uh, overlaps. The next time you have something where you're not sure how to solve it with your computer, ask me. Usually, I have a solution <laughs> for this these kind of things. I've been using these machines for far too long. Uh, you're old. 